Hi, I'm Dan for Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers, here to share the easiest way to buy tires. Come to Dobbs. With the best tire brands and the biggest inventory, you'll get your tires the same day at the lowest price, guaranteed. Next time you need tires, get into Dobbs. The Danny Mac Show with BK Podcast, powered by I Promise. Now, here's Danny Mac with BK. 2-2 pitch. Arenado hits it down the left field line. Hooking. Gone! It's off the foul pole. An absolute rocket and a scream from Nolan. 2-0 Cardinals. Best strike zone discipline among their young hitters. Barehanded. The 2-2 pitch. Back to Reyes. Out there. Double play. He gets out of it. It's a double play. And it stays 3-2. The Cardinals escape, and that's the only way to put it. They escaped last night, especially in the eighth inning. Welcome into the Danny Mac Show with Brandon Kiley, BK. I'm Dan McLaughlin. Tanner is with us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Danny Cox, who was a fabulous pitcher for the Cardinals in the 80s world champion with the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, good morning. The Cardinals win a series, and they'll go for a sweep today against a woeful Arizona club, and that is a woeful club. But Hey, you're supposed to win these games. The Cardinals have done that, and they did escape in that eighth inning. That was an escape. It was, and three is a streak, Dan. Three would be considered to be a streak, and they have one game away from being exactly right there. A big win for Carlos Martinez. Big uh, save opportunity there. Two innings, the first one of his season for Alex Reyes. We'll get into all of that throughout the day today, but let's start with... Nolan Arenado, because my goodness, what a game he had. Defensively, the home run, that felt like the type of game that this team needed from its best player. Absolutely. Uh, The home run was huge. First of all, I'm not sure why they were pitching to Nolan Arenado. And I I looked at Ricky Ankiel, I was doing the game with him yesterday, and I I just, I didn't say it on the air, but I, I said, like, why are they pitching to him? You know, I did one of those. Like, why are they pitching to him? It was two outs, runner at third. You got uh, a struggling Tyler O'Neill on deck who has been off balance. He's hitting every ball. He's out in front. He's hitting it a mile high. Look, if I'm going to lose that game, I'm losing to Tyler O'Neill or I'm losing to Paul DeYoung. I can sleep at night. I'm not losing to Nolan Arnato. And even I'll lose to Paul Goldschmidt. But I'm not going to lose pitching to Nolan Arnato with two outs and a runner on. And they did. They pitched to him. And he hits a two-run bomb, and that's your game. And then he comes up with a defensive play that was unbelievable. Defensive play of the night. He's made some, you know, no surprise. I guess we shouldn't be surprised. We knew how great he was, but you watch him every day. He's had a great defensive series, by the way. Don't take it for granted. We shouldn't. It's just incredible, the play that he made on Pavin Smith last night on that bare hand. Um but I'm not sure why they pitched to him in that spot, but they did. And he hits the two-run homer down the left field line. He should be an all-star this year. He should be the rep of the Cardinals for the all-star game this season. And the Cardinals will send KK to the mound. Now, in the eighth inning, you get the air by Sosa, then a balk. Then you get a base hit against the shift. Really nice piece of hitting. And here, again, this maybe explains why Arizona is where they are. You You then... Right move, in my opinion, when they get the runner at second, they put LeCastro in as a pinch runner. He's one of the fastest runners in baseball, and it was a softly hit single to left. They don't send him. Now, 
don't know about you, BK. I'm curious what you thought. I thought they could have sent him, and he would have scored. Uh, the, the outfield was fairly shallow. Now, nobody out. So I can understand yeah. why they didn't do it. You would have had first and third, which they did, and nobody out. But if you send him, um, you got nothing to lose. You go for broke, you tie the game. I, I can understand both sides of it, but we're talking about elite speed, and he got a pretty good jump. Again, I understand both sides of it, but then it's a uh, escape artist as you get the strikeout, then you get the comebacker to Reyes, turns into a double play, and that was the ball game there. Their winning percentage is below Nolan Arenado's batting average. I think you send him in that spot. I mean, they've won 27% yeah. of their games this year. At some point, you got to be a little bit aggressive. And that's been, I mean, if we're looking at the Diamondbacks side of things in this series, the thing that is so frustrating to me is they're playing scared in some ways. Like, they, they're just managing scared. They they feel like a team that is afraid to make a mistake. You've won 27% of your games. That'd 22 a- wins. It's bad. Just go for it. I mean, why not? Why why not start? Run wild, go for it. Why not? That's the thing. At least be aggressive. If you're going to lose, lose being aggressive. Don't lose playing scared. So I would have probably done the exact same thing, Dan. I, I tend to lean that direction in general with baseball decisions. But... Yeah, it, it, it was brutal. That being said, if we're looking at it through the Cardinals' perspective here, once they didn't send him and you've got Alex Reyes on the mound, that was a big spot. Holy for him smokes. to be able to get through that, that might have been his most impressive close on the season. I mean, to do it for I'm with six you. outs, yeah. given the way that things started, and it, it wasn't like he pitched horribly. You get the guy on first, you get the balk, you get the kind of bloop single that beats the shift. It is what it is. I didn't think he was terrible in those spots. And then he just honed in and was amazing from there on out in that game. So let's go back to Carlos Martinez. I had said to you, I said it on the game, I thought he was pitching for his starter's life, and apparently he was. So in two starts against Arizona this season, 12 innings, six innings per start, seven hits, four earned, three walks, 12 strikeouts, even three ERA. And his other starts, he's averaging about five, 51 earned in 67 innings, and an ERA is six eight. Five, Mike Schill was asked about Martinez. Was he pitching for his spot in the rotation? Schilde, is it fair to say that Carlos was pitching for his spot in the rotation tonight? I think that's a reasonable statement. And was uh, he doing that? Yes. And so his message to Martinez before the start. I mean, look, I've had Carlos a long time. He understands. Just, um, you know, my job is to create clarity of, of what we're doing, how we're doing it, what the expectations are um, at all times. And you know, he heard it. It was, look, man, he, he gets up and, you know, hug and he got it next day. You know, let's go. And um, today he pitched very well. Six innings, four hits, uh, earned run, couple of walks, six strikeouts on the importance of his stuff for Carlos Martinez. No focus, you know. Sometimes I got no focus. Uh, sometimes uh, they make us uh, runs and, you know, I lose uh, the focus sometimes. But, you know, today... Trust on myself, you know, throw, uh, believe on all my pitches, you know, and that helped me very well. Well, what I saw, and he was mentioning there, trusting his stuff, and, you know, the, the thing I saw was that he and Yadier Molina were on the same page from the get-go. You didn't see him shake it off. The other thing I saw was just his pace. His pace was great. I mean, he was just getting the, getting the ball and going, and that's when you know that he's kind of locked in. He just gets it and goes, gets it and goes. Sometimes it's too quick. 
and that's okay, but I'd rather have that, what oh, yeah. I saw last night, than a guy that's just laboring. Walking around wall- the yes. mound, kind yeah. of punching the ball into his glove. Like, Absolutely. you can see it. You can feel it. You can. It, it's all right there for everybody to see early on. And you mentioned it in the broadcast early last night, Dan. You said, listen, when Carlos is on, you can feel it. You can see it. And it feels like Carlos is on. And you said in the moment, you're like, I don't know how this is going to go. It could go south on him quickly, and then all of this is a moot point. But it was. It was exactly as you had said, and I think it was the second inning when you first really kind of locked in on it. Carlos Martinez was locked in last night, and I do think he felt the pressure. I think he knew, if I don't have a good start here, if I'm not locked in completely, I'm done. This is my last opportunity to start for the Cardinals. I don't think he would have had another start if things went poorly for him last night. So it buys you at least another start, probably two. It buys you through the all-star break is the way I look at it. It buys you a start in Coors Field. (laughs) Congratulations. That's that's my reaction. Yeah. I don't have words for it. Just I think that's fair. <laughs> that's where we're at right now. Uh, so the win for Mike Shield, he talked about how the fact is you've won a couple and now the pressure is a little bit off going into this game tonight or today. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, it does it. You play well, it happens. I mean, you know, this isn't, this isn't a foreign recipe to us. This group's done this for, you know, a couple years now. Did it for the first, I don't know, third, fourth, whatever percentage it was for this year. And we just went into a, you know, cumulative funk with our pitching and our offense. And, and, um, but we don't, it's not like we don't know what this looks like. So tastes good again. It's the right way we play the game. Um, offensively, you know, the pitching we mentioned, we got good quality pitching out of our starter. It's a great recipe for having having a better than not chance of winning a baseball game. So the lineup today: Dylan Carlson in the leadoff spot, Paul Goldschmidt batting second, Nolan Arenado will hit third, then Tyler O'Neill batting cleanup, Matt Carpenter is your second baseman today, Yadier Molina will catch, Tommy Edmond in right field, Edmundo Sosa at short, and then Kim is on the mound. Um, Yadi back in I was there about today. To say, surprised at all about that? It doesn't surprise me because yes and no. First of all, he he is playing a ton. Holy smokes. That yeah. that part does surprise me in the fact he's just played so much, but what it doesn't surprise me is the fact that they're going for broke and they're saying, "Look, we got to get a win. We got to get a sweep." And that's the way I think that Mike Shield is saying, "We got to we got a team in Arizona that is down obviously. We went through the numbers. They're struggling so much. BK is at, "Hey, we're just going for it." Let's 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 get a sweep, and this is my best guy behind the plate. I get that. Um, if ever there was a time to give him a day off day, I would think it would be today. Uh, just, just thinking yeah. through it as a manager, like. And the other thing is, if Yachty's telling you, "Hey, I'm fine, and I'm going to be out there today." Sometimes that's the decision that is made for you, for better or worse. For sure. Um, and I would imagine that's probably what was stated. Is Yachty came to Schilt, I would I would guess, after the game last night and said, I'm in tomorrow. Yeah. And she'll probably say, okay, you're our best guy. We'll go with you. And that the Cardinals do not have another off day until next Thursday. It's two weeks, basically, from now until the end of the first half of the season. Today technically marks the end of the first half in 81 games. Uh, I... I it's tough. I would have 
expected Andrew Kisner to be in the lineup today, but they're a better team with Yachty out there. Arenado is, by the way, 10 for his last 33, four doubles, four home runs, eight runs batted in. He is hot. Dylan Carlson, I love the at-bats I'm seeing from Dylan Carlson. He's finding a way to put the ball in play. Just sometimes it's a little check swing. Twice the last two nights. Yeah, and the other thing, too, I'm seeing, he's making a concerted effort to go the other way, and he might be the only one that I'm seeing doing that, which we've talked about how they, as a team, are saying, hey, we got to use the entire field. He's the one that's doing that. He's 11 for his last 37, couple of doubles, triple. So uh, let's see if the offense can't get going today. So Kim is on the mound. We're going to visit with Danny Cox coming up. He'll be our guest. And then some really interesting comments from uh, Adam Wainwright. We'll get to those comments later in the show. And he was on the morning show, as he always is, on Wednesdays with Carriker and Smallman. This is the Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast. Powered by I Promise. Hey, it's always great to have the chance to visit with one of my favorites that wore the Cardinal uniform and uh, really signified the grit, the toughness, the fun of the 1980s St. Louis Cardinals. We talk about the speed all the time. What about the pitching? We don't give those guys enough credit, and that's Danny Cox, who was at the ballpark uh, last night at Bush Stadium, and it's great also to see the fact that guys are getting back down to the ballpark. Hey, Danny, good morning to you, and great to hear your voice, and great to see you at the ballpark last night. How you doing? I'm doing wonderful, Dan. Good morning to you, too, man. Yeah, it was it was nice to go back to the ballpark. Uh, you know, as a kid growing up, uh, I've been going to the ball field every single year since I was seven, and last year it was... Uh, uh, you know, something was missing in my heart. Didn't have a chance to go down there and hear the sound of the bat and uh, the ball hitting the leather, you know, and just that just that feeling of being out there and, uh, you know, something that I've done my whole life and loved my whole life. And, uh, you know, it's, it's great to get back down there again and uh, see a ball game and just be in that atmosphere. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you go on the record here. Um, you know, we talk about Ozzy talk about Willie, we talk about Vince, all these speed guys. We finally can say it, Danny. We, we can talk about the pitching of the 1980s. You know, let's give you guys a little credit, all right? You can you can smile a little bit. You can say, hey, we deserve a little credit, too, okay? You guys deserve some credit, too, don't you? Well, I think so. I think in 85, uh, John Tudor, Joaquin Andahar, and myself had uh, 60 wins between the three of us, so... Yeah, that I think that contributed quite a bit. I would the, say uh, so. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, you know, back then uh, we got a chance to go deeper in the games, and uh, you know, one of the things that helped me out, I wasn't a great hitter, but uh, I worked hard at my bunting. So, a lot of close games. It wasn't you know bringing a reliever because back then you only had ten on the staff, and so why do you let you go in there, bunting? Get your bunt down, get a guy in, you get to pitch another inning. That's the way I looked at it, and uh, you know, to me that was. Um, one thing that I could do to help myself out in order to to get a few more innings in. Dan, Danny, since doing this show with Danny Mac, I've had the pleasure of talking to so many of you guys that played on those 80s Cardinals teams, and everybody seems to have a great Whitey Herzog story as a result of that. What's your favorite story from that time with Whitey? I would probably say going pheasant hunting up in South Dakota with him. <laughs> you know, all the stuff uh, we do on and off the field, you know, that was... Uh, he was like a second dad to me, you know, when I got called up, I was 23. I was still a young man and learning the game and playing the game. And he instilled a lot of confidence in me and had confidence in me and put me in numerous uh, situations and let let me play the game and taught me a lot of stuff. And uh, 
I, I grew up there, you know, on that in the Old Bush Stadium, and it was just a big part of my life. And uh, always went fishing with him, and you know, had an RV at that time, and took the rat up during off season, and uh, killed some birds up there in South Dakota. We had a good time, and you know, still see him occasionally now, and uh, always uh, wish him the best, him and Mary Lou. I was wondering during COVID if I know you're an avid fisherman and hunter and outdoorsman, and you and I talk about it all the time. You know, I love it too. I was wondering during COVID if, if you even did more hunting and fishing because we couldn't go down to the ballpark and the various things that we are accustomed to in normal life. So were you, uh, were you out fishing, hunting even more so than, uh, the normal life for, uh, for Danny Cox? You better believe it, Dan. I sure was. <laughs> I, I took advantage of every moment I had, you know, get up and say, hey, got a little rain on the way. I think I'm going to sneak on out there and make a few casts and see if I can uh, put some uh, fresh fish on the table for tonight. I love it. I love it. What's your go-to spot? You don't have to tell us, like, the specific location because I know people are – you've got your spot. You don't want other people infringing on it. But what about the area? Is there a certain uh, state, city area that you like going to most? Yeah, my backyard. I was just going to say, your backyard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've got a bunch of ponds and a 21-acre lake I live on, so uh, a lot of times I have a choice whether I get in a boat or uh, i got a couple places where I cut some trails to the bank and uh, some of the other ponds back there, like three acres, and I got, well, i got four of them that are at three acres back there, and they all kind of just sit close together, but they're separate, and go down there and make some casts from the bank and uh, just enjoy the day. That's awesome. Hey, Danny, what do you think about the game today? And, you know, I, I know you're a guy that it is somebody that will, you know, you, you'll roll with the punches with the game. Hey, the game's not played exactly how you get, you played it. And when you guys played it, they were saying back in the day, well, you're not playing the game how we played it with the 60s. I mean, you, you'll, you'll roll with it. You'll adapt. So it's a different game. Certainly it was a different game last night than you were playing in the 1980s. So, what do you think about the game as you're watching it right now? What What are your thoughts on just a general aspect of what you're watching right now? Well, you know, I think the uh, biggest thing is, uh, you know, what's special about baseball is there is no clock. You know, it's it's all based on outs. And, you know, you're seeing, well, let's speed this up. Let's do that. Let's do this. And, you know, there's a bunch of factors involved in in the speed of the game, you know, there's, a, you know, it's become a real big business. It will always has been, but now it's huge. And, you know, they, I think they're changing the game for a lot of different reasons. Um, a lot of different people are involved in it. And, you know, but the only thing I see about it is they're taking, they're not using a lot of aspects of the game that uh, could help you out both offensively and defensively. So I, I think they're missing out on, some of the things or the talents of the guys that are are being underused or not used at all. What was it like seeing that play for no, from Nolan Arenado last night defensively? Oh, unbelievable. How about offensively? Tomahawk <laughs> went over his head. You know, so much for the launch angle on that one. Yeah, that's the way I look at it, too. He He's something else, man, and I I always thought that Terry Pendleton with his back to the infield was the best I ever saw on mm-hmm. you know that pop up going down the left field line in foul territory or even in in fair territory Old Bush Stadium too um Arnado is right there with him I thought Terry had that cornered but man I will tell you what Nolan is unbelievable on that play and it's such a hard play as you well know but he's incredible at doing that That's why they were both gold glovers and you know I think TV uh, TP was a MVP one year Yes and that so was there's, there's a reason for it you know 
Absolutely. You know, the other thing, too, Danny, and I know a lot of people don't, and you mentioned this earlier, and I, I and some people say you don't bunt anymore and you, and you swing away, but when you have two teams that are struggling offensively, and both the Cardinals and the Diamondbacks in, are, are struggling offensively, I've seen multiple times where the bunt would come into play. And that's where you can help yourself. You get a, you know, you're in a tie game late, and you get a leadoff double, and you don't bunt. And that's something that it just can help you. You know, little things that you're talking about, moving the runner over, hitting behind a guy, the bunt, and we don't have that in the game today. And that's something that your teams with Whitey, they did it all the time. It was just the little things. It's it's not right or wrong. It's just that's how the game is played today as opposed to maybe some of the games that we saw back back in the day when you guys were winning a lot of games. It helped to, to win a lot of games back in the 80s. No doubt about that, Dan. You know, it's, uh, you know, get the guy over the third with one out, uh, you put some pressure on the defense. Infield's got to come in so that, you know, you can't really put a shift on that. I, I guess you can, you know, but it's going to be in a lot closer and, you know, a little ground ball through the infield gets you a run. But, uh, you know, if you're always swinging away, sometimes uh, sometimes it works, sometimes it, it don't. But like like I said, you know, there's an aspect of the game that I think is underused. And, well, you're giving up and out. Yeah, of course you are, but you're moving a guy over. You don't say anything when the guy hits it to the right side and you move him over. That's okay. But why can't you have a play where you can move him over anyway, you know? Uh, sacrifice a guy for this or that and uh, try to scratch out a run here. You do that a couple times a game, somebody's got to score, you know, three runs to beat you. We're talking to Danny Cox here on 101 ESPN. Danny, I'm curious, with your history, coaching, managing, when you watch a game, and we saw a little bit of this last night while you were out of the ballpark, and you, you see a guy that just can't throw strikes for whatever reason. It's been an issue for the Cardinals all season long, but it's certainly not limited to then. This is baseball in 2021. What can be done to help alleviate some of those things? Is that is that on an individual basis? Is there anything you can do coaching-wise to get guys to throw more strikes? What, what can be done to help this? Well, I think it's kind of in their mindset now is that uh, they're more of a, a swing-and-miss type uh, pitchers now is what they're trying to create. Uh, you know, I, as Dan would say back in my day, you know, it was uh, – <laughs> Hey, let let him hit the ball, you know. As John Tudor used to say, that uh, shame on you for not throwing strikes with the uh, defense we have back there. A bunch of gold glovers, you know. I'd, I'd just soon have 27 ground balls go to shortstop, and uh, I'm, I'm sure Ozzy would make all those plays. So my mindset was to, to get ahead, throw strikes. If the guy hit it, you know, a, a lot of times it's, it's an out, you know. Three out of ten times he gets a hit, he's doing good. So the other seven times he's out. So I'm going to take those percentages and on my behalf and throw strikes and, and, and make him swing the bat. And also in that situation, you'll find out what he is and what he isn't hitting. If you're always throwing balls, you, you don't know what he's going to swing at. You throw some strikes and you can make him swing and it can give you a better idea how you can pitch him. I'm curious what you took away from Whitey when you were coaching Danny and and managing, and you did both, and you did it with guys that were trying to get to the next level and play pro ball or semi-pro ball or get to you know the next level to get to Major League Baseball. So, and BK brings up a great point. You know, you got young kids that sometimes they can't find a strike zone, and you were there. You you played at the highest level yeah. and you did it for a long time. What are those conversations like, and what did you take away from Whitey or some of the guys specifically in the Cardinal system that resonated with you? Like maybe it was a quick saying or, or a quick conversation that you had that you were able to pass on. I think the biggest thing was um, 
to make them have uh, trust their stuff. You know, you're never going to find out what you have by throwing balls. You know, you got to challenge guys in the strike zone. Find out what you have. Find out where you stand, and you got to believe in your stuff. Uh, yours is different than his, and on down the line. And if you don't have any trust in uh, your ability to to get people out, um, you're kind of missing why you're there. You, you want to challenge people and find out how you can get them out. I just try to instill some confidence in them. You know, throwing on the side, pow, pow, pow. There you go. Hey, just take that to the game and see what happens. You know, don't you don't have to be so fine. You, you can yeah, this guy's a good hitter, okay? Well, make him a good pitch. See what you can do, you know. You have got to, you've got the baseball. You can kind of dictate where it goes. And I think sometimes now they're they're trying to pitch around the zone to get guys to chase stuff, where if, if you do that the first two pitches, you're 2-0 and behind, and now you put a lot of things in his favor. So I think attacking the strike zone, you know, whenever you can, early in the count especially, just to get ahead. Danny, one of my last questions that I've got for you, you played on some really good teams, whether it was here in St. Louis or the team that you played for in Pittsburgh and then up in Toronto as well. What were some of the things that stood out to you? Because we all know it takes talent. You've got to have the talent. That's that's the starting point. But what were some of the other things that those great teams had in common that you played on? Um, I think we all got along pretty good, and we all had a lot of confidence in one another. You know, when... uh, when we're out playing D and you're sitting there, you know, whether you're in the dugout or down in the bullpen and you look and you scan over your team and you, you go through who's at first, who's at second, you're going, you know, I know why we're good because we got a good team. And, and that builds you confidence to go out there because I'm on a good team, so I feel like I'm a good player too. That's why I'm here. And I was fortunate enough to play on a lot of good teams. I went to three World Series, ended up winning the one with the Blue Jays. But I think the biggest thing is, you know, all those guys trust one another, and they they believe as a group. There's nobody out there that can beat us. We we do our gig, we can win it all, and that was uh, I think with all those teams, we we had that mindset. And Danny, my final question is: uh, for first of all, for me, it's a privilege to to do the games, and I, I've said that from day one. I've been doing them for over no you know two decades, and to be and you do well too, man. I enjoy listening to you. Thank you, Danny. And you know, I mean, uh, that means a lot to me. And you and I have known each other for a long time, and it pertains to this: is that I've been around you a long, long time, so I, I see you interact with the fans. You're awesome with the fans, and and so. You decided, and you bounced around, you, you, you decided to make St. Louis home. Why? Can you explain? I can I can sit there and say to fans, like, guys love it here. And they do. They, they a lot of, Especially the guys from the 80s. A lot of them decided when they were done playing, and they spread out. You know, you went to other places, but you came back here. Um, and I can say, man, I'm telling you, these guys love it here. Why do, why do guys come back here? Why do they, you know, you could go live on a beach. You could go back to your, you know, hometowns and that kind of thing. Um, you go live in different areas. But guys love it here. Why is it that former players, and, and these are good people, and you're a good person, a great guy, and you're unbelievable with fans. Why is it that they gravitate and they come back and want to be a part of, of the Cardinals and this family? And I always say it's a family. Why, why do you think that is? Um, you know, when I came up and, and being with the Cardinals, everybody was so nice to you, you know, and they had that that Cardinal feeling, that Cardinal way, and every everybody pulled for you. And it was it was a genuine. It wasn't, uh, you know, 
made up or hyped up. It was a genuine feeling of they want you to do good. They they pulled for you, and, and you made friends that way. And it was just something about, you know, kind of like that small-town feel in a big city. And it was just something that was it was always nice. You know, you go down there, and there you know, people, hey, how you doing? You know, how you doing? Good to see you. You know, enjoy the game. Go cards. And I think that's what it is. It's, it's always like a um, – it puts you in a good mood. You know, yeah. it, it makes your day, so to speak. And uh, it's why not feel that way all the time? I mean, that's that's something we all strive for is to be happy on a daily basis. And, you know, I think the people in St. Louis uh, really respect the players, and it's vice versa, too. We, we appreciate everything they do for us. Love talking to you, my man. You're the best. Thanks for doing this, Danny. You're the best, and uh, don't be a stranger. Make sure you stop by the booth, and uh, now that COVID is subsiding here a bit, let's uh, let's make sure and get together in person very soon. Sounds good, my man. You have a good one, Dan. BK, take care of yourself. You guys enjoy the day. You Appreciate got it. You. That's uh, Danny Cox. He is He's just awesome. He's such a good guy. I, and um, by the way, he was one tough SOB. Tough. Woo, was he tough. He was mean on the mound, man. He was nasty. Not, not, doesn't come across that way. <laughs> I was, was about to say, that's not was, the guy we just talked to. <laughs> tough dude, man. And by the way, when you shake his hand, so he's a big dude. Country dude, you know, as you know, he loves to hunt and fish. You shake his hand and your your hand gets engulfed by his hands. Mm-hmm. you got like oven mitts coming in. And he's like, big bear hug, Dan, are you right? And he's like, oh, my God, I just got <laughs> hugged by a bear. He is the best, man. He's such a good dude. And and it's, I know I it sounds like I'm a homer when I say that stuff, but it's really the truth. I mean, so many of these guys love being here in St. Louis. And many of the 80s guys, the 70s guys, the 60s guys stayed in the surrounding area. And I do believe what he said is exactly right. It's because of how they were treated. And he, I think he really summed it up perfectly. You remember how you're treated, and why wouldn't you want to stay here? Because yeah. you're remembered and you're treated well. So why not? Your family's going to be treated well. Your kids are treated well. You got special treatment sometimes. Why not? Why wouldn't you stay? Yeah, what's so bad about that? Right. We talk so much about the Blues alumni, and for good reason. There's a lot of them that are still here, and they love being in the area. It's the same thing with the Cardinals. Both both local teams that we have right now do a great job of making sure that their former players are still a part of things. That's another part of this, right? Danny was out of the game last night. He, the Cardinals made sure to bring him in and be a part of the pregame festivities. That's part of this as well. It's yeah. easier to be a part of that stuff if you're still around. So it's all of those different things. And St. Louis is a great place to make homes. I, I can tell you this, Joe Pfeiffer, and I, you've heard me talk about this a lot, Joe Pfeiffer and Larry State, they run the alumni aspect of the Cardinals. They have put a premium on... Uh, making sure like your your five-year anniversary, your 10-year anniversary, oh, it's the 25-year anniversary, oh, let's get this guy back, let's make sure we have that guy come back, let's reach out to this individual, whether or not he can come back, but we make sure that we reach out to these individuals and they feel like they are a part of the family, no matter if you played one year or 20, doesn't matter. So they've, they've done a remarkable job with that, which is really cool. On that line of thinking, Dan, I've been thinking about this a lot since I heard Paul DeYoung's comments on uh, Luddy that he said the other day. He said he reached out to him and Ludwig was able to kind of fix some things with him mentally and physically. I remember talking to John Mosaylock, and I think this was right right around the beginning of the pandemic, and he said the secret sauce for the Cardinals over the years has been having those former big leaguers, and specifically the former studs that played for the Cardinals, 
be able to talk with the current players. And they're able to just pull these little tips and tricks out of them. Bob Gibson talking to Jack Flaherty. Like, that's the kind of conversation that would happen at spring training and then throughout the course of the season as well. We've lost some of that, not just because some of the all-time greats have passed over the last couple of years, but also because some of those guys, and this was business-related, right, lost their positions, the the actual positions during the pandemic. Starting to come back. Is it? Yeah. It, you're going to start seeing that come back. I was wondering about that because I, I think that is a really important thing. It that is. That can't be lost. And yes. especially for the Cardinals because of how many former great players want to be around this club still and are willing to lend a helping hand. That's something they need. I, I think what you're going to have once things settle back, and what I mean by that, and it leads into what I want to talk about next segment, which was some interesting comments about the upcoming CBA with Adam Wainwright. I think once they that gets settled, I think then you get back to truly in a business aspect of baseball, things are settled. Now you know we got a CBA, fans are coming back, we have projections, we understand budgets, and we can really project what we have but we're starting to slowly see guys starting to come back so yeah it is a good thing and it's a good point on uh on your part so let's uh take a quick time out and then i want to hear some of the thoughts of adam wainwright about potential retirement he had some interesting comments towards ken rosenthal of the athletic on that and also the potential of the cba this is the danny mack show with bk the podcast powered by i promise Danny Mac show on a Wednesday. We've got day baseball coming up. Our thanks to Danny Cox. That was fun to visit with Danny Cox. A lot of response on the Air Comfort Service uh, text line. Uh, people love hearing from those guys from the 1980s. So fun to visit with Danny Cox. Great update. As always, Tanner. That is BK. I'm Danny Mack. Uh, again, the lineup today for Day Baseball. You can see it on Valley Sports. Carlson, Goldie, Arenado, O'Neill, Carpenter. He's at second base. And then uh, Molina, Edmund, Sosa, and Kim. So that's coming up uh, later today. So. Did you hear the interview with uh, Adam Wainwright? I did. I heard it earlier today. I saw the comments as well that he made yesterday with Ken Rosenthal in The Athletic. It's interesting talking about a player's baseball mortality, so to speak. The back end of the career always fascinates me, Dan, and especially with Adam Wainwright because he had those struggles there for a few years where it felt like that one of those years was going to be the end, coming off of so many injuries for him. And now that he's back on track, I've I've kind of been asking myself, okay, what's what's the future look like for right. him? What does this hold? And him talking about it openly in the middle of this season is interesting to me. So, Wayno told Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic, his pitching career won't extend past 2022. He said he plans to retire after this year or next season. He was on the morning show with Carriker and Smallman. And on if he's decided, this is Adam Wainwright, on if he's uh, decided if he wants to play in 2022. Uh, I haven't decided anything because uh, there's just so much. There's just so much that, that makes that decision for itself. You know, there's a lot of family stuff to consider. There's uh, my oldest daughter's going into high school. What does that situation look like? Does it, do I need to be there full time? Is that a is uh, is performance still good enough? Is is there still a need from the team? Is uh, is my health great? Is my little son? I mean, he does better when I'm home. You know, I mean, so it's just like there's a lot of things 
that will have to iron itself out. There's also in play is the uh, the labor agreement mm-hmm. is up, and so there's a there's just a whole lot of stuff that I just don't want to deal with between players and owners anymore. And well, that's the interesting part too. Um, let's get into that first of all, and we'll get into the family and the various things that he talked about. You know, my understanding is is that they are working behind the scenes. I, I have heard that from some people that even though you may not be hearing that uh, publicly, but behind the scenes, which is the best way to hear about it, is that you're not. So if that makes sense. It's what we missed out on last year, the players and the owners oh. working behind the scenes, getting things done as opposed to publicly negotiating everything. It was an embarrassment last summer. And I, baseball can't have that again. And I think they realized that it was so bad last year. They cannot go through that again. It was bad for the product. It was bad for the image of baseball. It was bad for the fan base to have to go through that. And it was bad for Major League Baseball players, owners, everybody to go through. It was a black eye for the sport. I mean, you cannot have that again. And I think they realized it was so bad, they cannot have that again. So even if they have to just say, look, we extended for a year, or if we can come up with a five-year extension and work through our problems behind the scenes and make sure we come up with an extension, which would be awesome to have labor peace for five more years, great. But if we need to work through these problems and just continue to work through them but put an extension on it, fine. Um, that's that's one way to look at it. But I, I do think we're going to have some type of extension one way or another because it got so bad last year. So that's number one. In terms of the family issues, I think every guy faces that. At some point, you sit there and go, man, I've, I've made so much money. Obviously, he doesn't need to work ever again in his life. He does have a little little guy at home and now a daughter going into high school. So, you know, is it worth continuing to play? And I think the other thing, too, is does he want to go out? Uh, it, when I hear that he, he says that he wants to play one more year, that would be in a Cardinal uniform in my mind. And the Cardinals would say, at least my general hearing the comments for the first time this morning, if he says he wants to hear or wants to play one more year, I think the Cardinals would say, if healthy, sure, come on back one yep. more year and we'll give you the, the final tour and and let's make sure you go out of Cardinal. You know, I, that's what I would say. Absolutely, especially when you know going into it. it. It's much more difficult the situation the Cardinals have been in the last few years where you don't know, is this going to be the last year for Wayno? Is it going to be the last year for Yachty? Or are they going to continue on from there? It's much easier when you can see the finality, when the player announces prior to the season, hey, this is going to be it. Okay, we'll sign you for a one-year deal to know exactly this is, this is locking you up through the rest of your career and you will only have ever played in a Cardinals uniform when you've been in the big leagues. That's huge for a team. It's huge for an organization. It's valuable to a team, especially like the Cardinals. It's a little different when you're like, okay, you going to play another five years after this, or is this actually the last year? And the player says, I don't know. It depends on how this year goes. I think Wayno saying this publicly right now, there is also some value to that for the organization side of things to be able to get things done. I would add, I would guess if Wayno's going out next year, if that is the final year, I would think the same is likely true for Yadier Molina. I would think that they would be on a similar trajectory. I don't well, know that now. to be true. Yadi said after the three-year extension that this is my final contract. I know, <laughs> but I would imagine going into next year, the thought process, at least from the team side of things, let me clarify there, the team side of things would be, this is Wayno and Yadi's final year. There's a lot of money coming off of the books. If ever there would be an all-in year, Dan, I would think it would be now. Cardinals all-in is a little different than some other teams. But next year would be about as close to an all-in year as you could have. Wayno said he wants to walk away still being good, still being wanted. 
I don't know, Jeff Supon always told me, play as long as you can because you can never go back. But, you know, I don't think anyone's ever going to scoff at a 40-year-old man retiring <laughs> from baseball. You know, that, that's not like I'll look back and be like, man, if I would have just played till I was 45, it would have been great. You know, and I, I just don't think I'll do that, you know. So um, I want to walk away still being good, still being wanted, still still on top of my game, so to say. And uh, But also um, – at the right time where I won't regret it. And the regrets, though, I think could have been if he didn't come back and he addressed that. I'll tell you this. I said this yesterday on the bench to one of our, our strength, our athletic trainers, Adam Olson. I feel so much better about my career now, being able to come back and be healthy for a couple of years and pitch at a pretty high level after those injuries. You know, if I, if I would have been kind of forced into retirement because I wasn't able to perform anymore after those injuries, I would have just always had kind of a bad taste in my mouth, you know. And so uh, I'm over that now, and and, uh, just, I'm just, I just, honestly, I'm just really blessed to have been able to do this for as long as I have and uh, to play for the St. Louis Cardinals for as long as I have in this wonderful city with these wonderful people. Um, I just, you know, I just, I'm so blessed. I really am. I, I, I just don't even have the words to describe uh, what an incredible experience this has all been for me and my family. I think that's the key. It would have been in the back of his mind. Did I have? Did I still have it in uh, in my arm and in my body? Because when it's taken away from you, that's one thing. Physically, you didn't go out on your own terms. When you go out on your own terms, which apparently he might be able to do, that's a different story. And obviously. That would have been very frustrating for him to walk off that mound in San Diego, and that would have been the final time a couple of years ago when we've talked about that game. And then now, this particular time, he would have been able to you know, walk away, potentially, on his, own, on his terms, which is a, a much different way to look at it. And if you look at what he's done over the last couple of seasons, he's not just been like, oh, wow, a 40-year-old's out there really right. doing it. He's dealing. He's been legitimately good. He's got a 3-6 ERA this year. He had a 3.1 ERA last year. I know that we. one of my big questions coming into this season was, can he actually sustain that? Was that because it was a 60-game season, or was that because he's actually turned things around and he is close to Adam Wainwright again? The answer is the latter. Right. He's turned it around. I don't know how he did it. I don't understand sometimes what I'm watching when he's throwing 89, 90 miles an hour. He's topping out, and it's just curveball after curveball. But it works. He's pitching. And in 2021, despite the fact that we've been told a hey, velocity, 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 Sometimes pitching still works. You can listen to that full interview, and it's brought to you by I Promise on the 101 ESPN website. You've been listening to The Danny Mac Show with BK, the podcast powered by I Promise. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home-trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.